Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Mixing It Up with Maggie. My name is Maggie, and um, I'm here today to talk to you guys about um, consumerism. Um, as you guys know, for the month of um, November, we're starting off with like the holidays, and um, we start off with Thanksgiving, and I feel like that's like the main holiday where everything just like in excess starts. We start with like, the excess of food, and then we go into like Black Friday with this, you know, super shopping mentality, and then all of the sales and everything for the Christmas um, time happens as well. Um, so for this episode, I wanted to talk more a little bit about like the psychology behind um, consumerism. And um, I'm here at Hunter College, my alma mater, sitting down with um, my brand new friend, uh, Tiffany, whom I hope to have other podcasts with um, because I feel like her field of study um, actually branches out to to a lot of different topics. So I'm, I'm happy that I met her. And so Tiffany, um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hello, everyone. My name is Tiffany Camacho. And as Maggie was telling you all, I am working on a master's in psychology. So psychology is my field of study. Um, as she stated today, we're going to be talking about shopping, which psychology is very relevant to shopping as well as many other fields. As in everyday life, psychology is basically applied. So I think we have a lot to talk about today. So first of all, um, in my little guide here, um, I have the question as to like, like why do we shop? Like why? I mean, there's always been some sort of like bargaining kind of thing. Like I give you this for this. Um, but in our society right now, I feel like it's a very much American mentality yeah. that has been passed on to other countries, but I think it's very American. What do you think? I think that the American mentality for us as far as shopping is concerned, I think we place value on things. And I think when we shop, we're placing our value of ourselves on those things, which is why we get hooked on, not everyone is, you know, uh, the name brand person but i think for most of these trends and these things that you know these children and the youngsters they have to have the latest and the brand new and especially with social media marketing and things of that nature it's placing your value on what's the latest to have so it's a it's a personal identity thing not just an item when i was in um uh, high, not high school, but middle school and elementary school, I was in public school. And because we didn't have uniform, clothing and the items that you buy were part of your identity. Sneakers were like the thing. And I never, I was never been a sneaker person. And it wasn't until I was older and I came to college and I, you know, I did a course in like sociology and, and also like psychology that I realized not only about the identity thing, but it's also like, um, it had to do with like, trying to like what it like class also not yeah, yeah like 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 economic class yes. like if I can afford this sneaker then I can afford a this and that a middle class that. even though technically you can't really afford it yes. right and I also feel that some people I do believe in the class system when it comes to shopping and that's how you identify again as personal identity and also, you have people who are trying to live above their means. 
to try to get these things. Marketing-wise, they're very smart because they place value on these things. And sometimes people who can't afford these things, because to be honest, some of these prices are ridiculous. But the way that they advertise it, you feel like you need it. So I think that um, it definitely is something to do with social class. And you're not really aware of it until you're in like fields like this, because prior to me studying in the field, I had no idea that I was being molded over and manipulated so much. Something else that I have here, also I, I want to say like, um, just like eating, because you know, we can do different episodes on like different types of consumerism, but even though we're doing shopping, I feel like similar to eating, I don't know about you, but I can be an emotional shopper. If I have like a bad day or I feel that there's a lot of things in my life at this point that I cannot control, Amazon, oh my gosh. You know that when Amazon bought over um, a Whole Foods, I felt, I told my mom, like, I feel personally responsible for this. I feel like I give my money so much to Amazon. And it's because it's so easy. It's comforting. It's, it's something you can do in the comforts of your own home. You can buy virtually any, the, the options are limitless. So Amazon, I definitely can relate to your situation. And I recently just emotionally shopped. So I definitely understand that emotionally we can tend to shop when we're not having the best of days because it's something to kind of reward yourself for going through, you know, a bad day or something. It, it, it helps to kind of uplift your mood, if you will. The, there's this kind of weird joy that I get when there's a package waiting for me. I feel like it's Christmas and then oh, like the whole process of opening the package and then like doing this kind of like unboxing. I feel like I'm, I'm in one of those YouTube videos, right? Absolutely, absolutely. I think that's why we all shop. I can't speak for everyone else, but I can definitely say I track the tracker more than I think anything else. It becomes my life because I'm waiting on that package to, to the nine till it gets to my door. So definitely. Something that you, um, that you shop a lot for. Like for me, I remember when I had my first iPhone, I wanted to, because I bought it, I remember I I shared that iPhone and I remember I bought it so many different, it was kind of like a little Barbie, you know, just like every single day I was in a different mood and I bought like different cases and I used to have like a collection of cases and Amazon, I mean, it's just, and then the thing is that they put there like, if you bought this, you may also like this. So, and then I'm like, oh my God, I, I do like it. I will say what gets me every time because I'm very much into beauty because I love the creative aspect of just kind of like art but with makeup you can canvas your face. So with me, Sephora gets me every time and when they send me those uh, every annual sale that they have for the year, I already know when it's going to happen. I'm already prepared. I have my list of things that I'm going to get. I save in advance. Like they get me every time. What so let's talk a little bit about um, what what strategies um, what strategies markers use to to get us to consume. So we talked a little bit about um, the 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 annual sale, but Sephora is notorious. Like I cannot walk into the the line area without. Even just touching, I just touch all of the little items and I just pretend that I'm going to buy it and then I just put it back. 
they know where to put those things. It's strategic, even, and it's not just Sephora that does this. There's other companies or stores that I'm sure most of us have been to that do this as well. Everything's lined up right around the register. And especially around holidays, the lines are long and you have to wait. So you're more likely to buy these items because you're waiting there anyway. It gives you something to do as far as to look around and to see what they have available. And who doesn't love little things? Like, it's so cute when it comes in a little package. So we're all like, you know, we justify to ourselves that we need this somehow. Because it's like, oh, I want to try it. It really gets me all the time. It's right in the counter. When I go to Starbucks, I always get mandolins. Like, the, the little, <laughs> the little um, uh, seashell-shaped um, cookies. I don't know about you guys, but every time, and sometimes when they don't have it, I ask the counter lady, like, <laughs> where are your mandolins? <laughs> You have them. Yeah. Thing that I um, I actually learned here on Hunter. I I, I studied media here, and um, one of our first like media 101 classes, um, we go through the process of um, looking at advertisement and uh, analyzing them. And one thing that I realized, going back to what we were talking about earlier, is that they are never selling you like an actual item. I don't know if people realize like there's never they're never selling you, you know. Um, they're never, for example, I think um, the best examples are car commercials. They're never selling you a car. They're selling you adventure. They're selling, they're, you know, they're telling you that this is a car that you can have for generations. And those car commercials do get to me. Like sometimes I, you know, especially now they have like a lot of more women in these advertisements because now women are making money and we are driving more um, and we are interested in, in the cars. And I love this commercial where there's like this beautiful car and like the guys, they're like, yeah, this dude must have like a lot of money and like this dude must be like the richest person ever. And like they're all gathering around the car and like admiring the car. And they're like waiting for this dude to come out to see like who is the owner. And then all of a sudden there's a woman and she like presses the button and everybody's just like, whoa, it's a lady. <laughs> Have you seen those those car commercials? Absolutely. And I know which one you're talking about and I love that commercial as well. I, I always I sorry, I had to interrupt. I always say I want to be that that lady, right? It's not even like the car. I don't want the car. I just want to be like the lady, but to be the lady, I kind of need the car. You know what I mean? They're selling you when they sell you those, you know, when they have those different advertisements, because I took advertisement as well as far as learning and actually making logos and different things of that nature. And you can tell that they put a lot of effort into they're selling you more than like you just said. They're selling you not just the item. They're selling you something that comes with the item. If you get this, you're going to be adventurous. You're going to be able to do things. If you get this, you're going to be happy. Or if you get this, you're going to look cool and everyone's going to think you're cool. So they're selling you a persona that comes with whatever they're trying to sell you. I think they get you because, you know, now the advertisers are starting to take more notice that women are, you know, in the playing field of the, you know, as far as business is concerned, you know, it's not like how it used to be. We're definitely uh, our counterparts. And even though, you know, we might not get paid as much, that's a whole nother separate show. But I think that, you know, they're taking notice to us so we definitely targets for these things i also like that um not that i don't like but just i just noticed that um they are traditionally um the advertisement that traditionally would target women are also targeting men so i see this and this tide commercial gets me all the time but it's a dad and he says like you know that his daughter loves his her favorite dress 
But once a week, she trades it in for the the cowboy outfit so that I can watch it untied. And then the dad watches the clothes for her, and then they play together. And I didn't grow up with a father, so I'm like, I want some tied. Like, I want that dad. (laughs) So it's like this, like, stay-at-home dad, you know, um, for the stay-at-home dad, but also, like, this kind of like bond that you create with a child because of their you know what I mean like that that also is like psychological like I you know very much so because parent parent child relationships are one of the most important relationships that's why even in car commercials going back to that they use children like this this car will be perfect for you know when you have kids or or if you have kids because it's you know the best family van or best family car you can have when it comes to the Tide commercial, it's like bringing the clothes is what brings the two together. So it's like the clothes is what unifies the father with his daughter. Um, I One of the other things that I found interesting was while I was studying media was also how much um, like colors also, like you were talking about brand, branding and logo and um, I learned why every time we pass by McDonald's we get hungry and we want McDonald's and it's because um, the combination of colors also like colors there's like a psychology of colors and like what colors mean Um, what color make you feel like like what do you relate when you see a certain color and when you look at the color red usually makes you hungry I didn't know that and yeah Yes, red definitely makes you hungry. And if you notice, even just outside of just food, red is used a lot for seduction. So it's it's a seductive color because it kind of reels you in. That's why red lipstick is so popular. So with McDonald's using the red, the really with the yellow as the standing out popping off that background, it really brings that yellow to life, which is happiness. It brings you that the golden arches, if you will. It brings you that happy. So when you see these lights, you can literally see them from a distance. You can tell when there's a McDonald's by. And it's all because they really took their time to make sure you see. Going back to like how they are selling ideas, um, besides the car, I want to say like things, not, not just things, but also um, something like the army. Right. When those commercials, I mean, even if you don't want to be in the army, you want to be one of the few, one of the proud, one of the braves. Why? Right. You want to be those things. And um, they do. They get you. And um, their advertisement are done like in-house, I heard. Um, But they have like like, awesome, awesome, you know, um, ads as well. Like there's a lot more women also in the ads now. And. There's this one where the the girl, she's like, oh, I'm more than just a doctor. I'm more than just this. I am one of the few, the proud and brave. Yeah. I think that those commercials, like you said, there definitely has a lot of thought that went into them. And they're very touching. And I think they tap, those type of commercials, they tap into the emotional of the person. Because who doesn't want to be a hero? Who doesn't want to be brave? Who doesn't want to fight for something? Those army commercials, they definitely achieve that because they tap into that emotional part of if you go here, if you do this, you're going to be this for us. I think at the end of the day, it sells this idea of like the American dream. Like you come here and you can achieve everything if you just join here or buy this so if you join the army or if you join the gym you'll be happy if you buy the car your family will be safe and then you'll be happy and then this like the white picket fence thing and and it really is a dream and i feel like people really do like buy um buy these things to achieve this this very elusive 
American dream. I think um, colleges also do the same thing with, you know, like selling this um, education and what, what you can do with it. Something else that I wanted to mention was uh, how um, race and gender and like all these like different um, demographics like play into um, advertisement. Did you know that, and this is, actually this is from another ad, but um, those ads that really hit on like tobacco and then how they advertise like I love those ads I was just about to say that once you mentioned race and gender I was like I already had an idea of where to go with this and absolutely those tobacco companies when they advertise you see them all over the place in urban neighborhoods specifically and that's targeting a specific audience and the girl who's actually in the commercial the woman shall I say excuse me um, Amanda Seals she basically kind of puts it on blast, puts it all out there that, hey, this is what's going on. Echo was the, the one that we analyzed um, the most um, from beginning to end. And it goes back in, even into like um, uh, the movie stars that would advertise for tobacco at that time, like especially like in the 1940s and like um, the femme fatales of the 1940s and then also um, the cowboys. It was really big into like, I want to be like John Wayne. Like, I want to be that cool cowboy. And then in the 1950s with um, with like the leather, leather jacket and I want to be a biker, I want to be cool. And it was always like that relationship between, you know, being like this ultimate, like whatever cool means is attached to to tobacco. But now they're, they're really are getting a lot of flag for a lot of things. Um, Especially, you know, the new commercial that came out with the how they advertise to um, veterans, that really hurt me. And I'm not even a veteran, but it really hurt me because they, the veterans are the ones like reading the letter, and it was saying like that the advertise, like the the company, like the tobacco companies, really basically saw them as like these idiots that would, you know, come back from war and be very susceptible to like yeah. buying. I think that. For veterans, unfortunately, I'm offended as well, and I am not a veteran, but I did have an uncle who fought um, in the Vietnam War who's a veteran. So that definitely hits home for me, definitely offended by that. And I think the reason why people get offended by that is because when they come back from these places and when they come back from doing their duties, they come back with, they've seen a lot of things and a lot of traumatizing things that the average person you know, hopefully has not seen half the things that they have seen. And one of the things about tobacco companies is they tend to target mentally ill. And mental illness, I just want to put it out there, it's not a stigma, there's nothing to be ashamed of. These things are real. I struggle with different things like depression and stuff like that, so it's nothing to be ashamed of. But they target these people in particular, and that's an issue. Before we go into, like, how can we use this knowledge to um, to our advantage, I just, one of the other things, and lastly I want to mention was, and I told you this when we first met, um, I hate Christmas music. Like, it's just, like, a hatred that I have for it now um, because I worked during at retail during Christmas time and they do this thing um, I don't know if you guys know it but they play the music on repeat the whole day and I realized that they probably do this throughout the year but throughout the year I think they go more to like the, whatever popular song is, is, is going on right now um, like no matter how much I don't want to listen to Taylor Swift I end up repeating the words because it's everywhere um, but when it comes to like Christmas music, it's usually the same ones, and it's very like you can't. You know, I remember asking somebody like, "Oh, can we just like play something else?" And they're like, 
no, like we have to play the same like disc over and over again. And I was like, where have I heard like a place that um, that does this? And I remember reading when I was in high school, I remember reading um, One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest. And I don't know if you read the book. Yes. yes. Great. Um, so in the book, they do this thing in the asylum um, where they play the same music over and over again. And what happens is that it makes people calm. And it also gives you this very weird illusion that time isn't passing. So you don't know what time it is. You don't know, you know, you just kind of go with the music in a way. But the, the way that it's played is like you don't, you know what's coming next, but you don't know when is it, when is it going to stop or like any sort of hint as to like, oh, this is the time for me to eat. Oh, this is, you know, I've been here for a while. And I'm like, wow, wait a minute. And then I looked it up and it's true. Like they do this kind of, it's so like it really irritated me when I found that out that they do that because then it's true have you ever gone to a store my mom does this all the time like we go to a store and she's like I just went there for for milk and then I come out and I have like five different items and I feel like that's part of it and it's like this repetitive music um that they do that and they do that in, in Christmas time a lot of the times and you will go around the store twice, three, four times, and then you're like, oh, my God, did I really spend, like, four hours in one store? Absolutely. I think um, the sense of tranquility, like, when you're calm, you're relaxed. If you're basically in a fight or flight, you're going to be running out the door. So if they bring you that sense of peace and calm, then you tend to, aside from everything else that's there, that's going to intrigue you because of color and different things of that nature. So by playing the music and having the color and all that, it all works together to kind of bring this thing. How many of us have been in a store and we're like, like you said, we're going in for one thing and you only put an hour in for your parking and now you're like, oh my God, unless you really, really stick hard to that hour that you have to stay in there, you could stay there for longer. There's also, um, I'm, since I don't do the Black Friday, um, but I do do um, Cyber Monday. Cyber Mondays, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Cyber Monday was my thing. Um, I haven't bought anything yet because I sometimes I feel like the specials are not really specials. Like I feel like I could, like sometimes like they're not that lower price, right? So you get sucked into it. Like oh my god, it's a dollar cheaper today. You have to be rational because if you're not rational, then you get sucked in. The items that you really kind of want during that time is like technology usually, but then, like for example, like Apple. Apple never has a sale. Like I've never seen an Apple sale. Have you? I, I'm a student, so we have like our little benefits that we get, but for the most part, Apple, but that's the good thing about advertising because they've established themselves. So Apple just promotes itself. It doesn't have to promote that they're having discounts. It doesn't have to promote any of that. It's just when you hear Apple, you already know what Apple stands for. So they've managed to successfully establish that in majority of everyone you know you have your android people but for majority of people they have iphone or some type of apple product so they've managed to successfully establish that you know apple is durable it's sustainable so we people are willing to pay for that regular flight they're not lacking in any money even though they're not asking for discounts or anything of that nature so um yeah they're not missing uh missing much yeah, I think, yeah, because it's, it's more of like you're buying the brand, which is something that we're we're going to get into here in the second part. So we'll be right back. All right, you guys. So I don't want to leave you guys with just like, you know, um, all of these like negative things that marketers do to us to, to 
infiltrate our minds and make us shop more. Um, I'm going to actually put some link down below. I actually saw this really great um, tech talk on um, how advertisers are watching you. Um, they claim it's really just for, for themselves to like watch how, like what do you see when you are in a store? Where do you stop? Where does everybody stop? And what can we put there so that everybody can, can see it? So they claim, you know, it's for them and it's for a benefit of us to, um, to create like a better shopping experience. Um, but we ourselves need to be more educated as consumers. What are you investing in and how can you be more prepared? Um, so we were just talking about Apple and it's interesting because recently I was talking about this episode um, that I was going to be doing this episode with um, uh, another new friend of mine. His name is um, John Tona and he is um, a professor at NIFA and then also he's a photographer. And, um, but he used to do IT and we were just having this conversation back and forth about like Apple and the new phone and you know, am I gonna get it? And you know, is it really worth it? And why, why did Apple release two phones? And we were just going on and on about you know, um, technology. And him being the tech guy that he is, he was like, well, why upgrade until it suits your need and your mind? Like, why would you, why would you even upgrade if it, doesn't, if it doesn't do anything for you? You understand? So um, a lot of people shop for like technology and Apple because it's the latest. But I feel like I have the, the iPhone 6 right now. And even though it's technically outdated, I can still text. I can still FaceTime. Um, I can still, you know, if I need to like write a quick post, I write it. Um, I can still talk on the phone, which is why the phone was invented in the first place. It still gives me the time and the weather. So where does this need come to upgrade if we really don't need it? And it goes back to what we were saying, which is like the values that we place on these items. And it's like, why, you know, do I want people to think that I have money or that I am tech savvy if I have the latest technology? I'm going to, you know... I, I'm loving like this Apple Watch, but like I don't, like I don't, I don't want one because I feel like I don't need it. Like me personally, like I want it because it's just like it reminds. I just kind of want to go. It's morphing time. Like that's the only reason why I want the Apple Watch, <laughs> but not because I need it. So yeah, so guys, so really, really do think: Do I really want this, or do I really, really need it? Like it's something like I can operate without this at work. Um, instead of saying, well, what would people think about me if I don't have the new one? Um, so that's one thing to, to think about. Another, another thing I want to say about um, being um, like a better consumer um, is looking at, looking at brands and what do they represent. Um, we just read a little case about Dove um, soap here. But let me tell you, I've been using Dove since I was a little girl, since I first came to this country when I was three years old. That was like the first thing that my, like, the, the brand that my mom used um, for soap. And um, when I found out, so th when I found out that Dove was also a brand in another country and that the way that they advertised it in the other country was as a lightning soap, it really bothered me. It bothered me that something that I don't agree with is part of the brand that I buy. So, you know? I definitely think that um, as far as I'm concerned, when I was younger, I didn't pay attention to these things, being like completely honest. Um, I didn't really, it was like if I liked it, I bought it, you know, because, you know, you get your little allowance, whatever. I saved up my money. If I wanted something, I bought it. I didn't really care 
or wasn't really to not that I didn't care, but I was very childlike in my state of mind. I wasn't really thinking about those things. But now that I'm older, your brand is representing something. So if you're finding out that they're going and they're into other things that you basically don't represent who you are or what you stand for, that's definitely something to take into consideration because it's a business and your dollar is your voice. Um, I want to say also like be aware of gentrification. Um, it, it's it's something that is we just can't escape and going back to uh, going back to like you know supporting big companies like let's say dove um and maybe this is you know something for me also and just for us and everybody to just um practice like okay so if i like this where is there someone you know in my neighborhood in my community you know that also sells soaps and you know maybe have more locally sourced ingredients um sometimes you know maybe you feel like you're spending more because it's like a little bit of product or whatever but at least you know where it's coming from and then you just feel like okay i know what i'm putting in my body and I, that, that comes with food and everything but in terms of gentrification like help out also like your local businesses you said it's convenience we just want something that's grab and go but sometimes the things that are worth having you got to do a little more research so do your research. There might be somebody who's, you know, a, a great, uh, you know, at DIYs and making body scrubs. And you don't know they can customize it to you, which is also another great thing about sometimes mom and pop shops because they can customize to the client better than a big business. Really big on like um, the environment, but then you're buying products from companies that pollute the waters. You know, why? What? You know, you can't say I'm, I'm pro the environment, but then use brands that, you know, have this, um, have this issue where like they're using um, all of our resources um, to make this one product. So think about like your long-term effects about your purchase. And um, I know sometimes it can be overwhelming. I feel like when I first learned about like the Dove thing and then also where, how clothes are made, like the, like the Victoria's Secret thing, um, it really got to me, and then I'm like, crap, like, I can't wear anything because everything comes from someplace. Yeah. So, I don't know, what do you think is, like, a good way of, like, maybe, like, balancing or, like, just thinking about those things without getting, like, super overwhelmed? I think the balance is doing your research. Like you said, I feel like that, too. Like, there's so many things that are produced, and the way that they're produced are not ethically correct they're not what's morally right because child sweatshops and labor like it's just it's bad so it can be overwhelming because like you said sometimes you can feel like well am I really going to make a difference because that I really can it's like the unavoidable like I can't really get past it so what I would say is do your research and if you can try to give yourself three options and if out of those three options, you need something quick, fast, then get, you know, what you can quick, fast. But if you can, start implementing into your regiment where if you know you're going to need something before you need it, go the more natural route. Because I don't know if, you know, if you don't get it from your local neighborhood and you order it, it's going to take longer to get to you and things of that nature. But if you can go into more of a natural source and get it through that way it might take longer but it'd be worth it so before you need something get it in advance one thing um also that i i started to do and this is going back to how emotions play a part in our shopping um 
and this is something I just I just start to do with Amazon. I never do the whole um, click, like buy with one click. I never do that. So I put everything in the cart, and then I wake up the next morning. I'm like, what is this? And but it's still in my cart. Like I haven't purchased it. Um, or I leave it in the cart until like I reach a certain amount. Like okay, it's not worth it for me to like, you know, um, have them deliver. Just you know, how many boxes? Also, like how many boxes do they? They 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 also have like a lot of large boxes for little items, yeah. which I never understand that. But um, I'm like, they're not gonna use just one box for this little thing. So then I just start asking like if my mom wants something or needs something or my brother or whatever, um, and. I leave it there. Like, I leave it there for, like, a rainy day or something when I really need it. Um, I leave it at the, in the cart. I never purchase it. So, like, some, it's kind of like writing a letter but never sending it, you know, when you have that emotional feeling. Um, and then kind of like food, like, wait, wait, like, five minutes. Like, usually when you have, like, a really bad craving of something, yeah. if you wait it out, it will go away because it's a craving. So if you're feeling like shopping and you think that you're going to like financially bankrupt yourself, you know, over like being emotional over something, you know, call a friend, um, go out, um, listen to music, um, go for a run, uh, just or like, you know, shop, but like just put it, you know, go to like that thing and Amazon has like this part also. Amazon, this is like free advertisement for you guys. I'm just saying. Um, but anyways, they have this thing called like Explore. And then you yeah. just like a whole bunch of pictures. I also do this with Pinterest. Because Pinterest, you don't buy anything, right? You just kind of like put it up on your wall. And it's like it's there. And you can see it. And you can like visualize yourself in that dress. Um, but you don't actually purchase it. It's kind of it's like a mental trick, right? Yeah, it definitely is. I have a Pinterest account. And if anyone has Pinterest, the food posts. The <laughs> the food post, the beauty post, Pinterest is just like truly addictive. So yeah, absolutely. I think those things, they kind of like reel you in. But to find different things, like if you're an emotional shopper, find other ways to kind of channel that energy, I would say. Because there's nothing wrong with treating yourself. Listen, life is hard. You absolutely. But if it's your, always your go-to then you know try to and like be dazzling and all of that stuff because i feel like um i want to do this i, I kind of want to start doing this thing um i talked to you about it before where so my mom always says lo barato sale caro which means the the cheaper things usually cost you more in the long run and i've noticed that i purchased a lot of items but they're all like a dollar or like five dollars like i go to like pretty girl in the bronx yes pretty girl um, I bought like a skirt, really beautiful skirt, and I think I spent like maybe like $12 or less on it. And um, I wore it already, but but the thing is like now I kind of want to, you know, like now I need another skirt and, and or, or like that skirt was only meant to be worn once. And then I had, um, I actually um, dated someone who like completely flipped the script on me and was like, well, you know, I only shop once a year. And I'm like, what? What do you mean you only shop once a year? And I was like, I thought it was like a boy thing. But no, he was like, no, like I buy like five shirts and they're like basic colors. And they are, you know, they, they were there and in his room. And I'm like, you only have five shirts? And he's like, yeah. But then I saw like on the tag, the name brand, they were all like name brand shirts. And I said, how much did you spend on this? And it was like a ridiculous amount for like five shirts. But 
something that I would never wear, like something I would never, I'm sorry, something I would never buy. I would never buy like for five clothing items and spend like, you know, like, uh, you know, almost, like more than $200. To me, like that number is ridiculous because I come from a household that it was more of like, you know, um, buy this item or buy like five of these shirts and they're all like a dollar each. Um, buy the, the cheapest thing because we didn't have money. And then at the end of the year, put them all in a box, ship them to the Dominican Republic, to your family over there, and also to, you know, uh, people that are in need. And then just buy five, new, like, buy the rest of the year. And it was, like, this kind of mentality. But now I'm thinking about buying, like, basic items and, and just wear, trying to wear them out, you know? But I don't, I don't know. What do you think about that idea? I think that's a good idea. I have, like for me, I invest in my jeans. I'm a jean wearer, so I'll spend the extra cash on my jeans because I'll use them, and I won't have to buy jeans for a while. So I'll use my jeans, kind of wear them out, and if you buy stuff that's durable, it can last you years. And also, something that's also important as a consumer is to take care of your things because if you take care of them, it'll last you longer. So definitely that's something to think about. So I wash my jeans carefully, make sure that they're all taken care of, and they've lasted me years. So I think for like our final thoughts, I'm going to say quality over quantity and call a friend. Don't put, put everything in the cart and call a friend. Don't hit, you know, buy. <laughs> don't hit that checkout button is what she said. Yeah, don't, don't hit that checkout button. Just put them all in the cart and then like. <laughs> You wake up the next morning and you're like, what was, you know, instead of saying, what was I thinking? And, you know, having to, you know, cancel everything, just like take a breather and think about it. Do I really want this? I would say weigh your options out. Like I said, buy in advance if you can, if you know you're going to need, you know, jeans, if you know you're going to need something and you can go a more natural route instead of going for what's more, what's more convenient, excuse me then go for that. I would say just educate yourself. An educated consumer is one of the most powerful consumers. Guys, thank you so much um, for listening. Um, if you really like this topic, let me know. Um, I definitely want to do like another episode on media consumption versus just like regular, you know, shopping. Thank you so much, Tiffany, for coming by and um, giving us like a little insight on like the psychology aspect of shopping. Any final words? Um, it was so much fun. I had a really good time with my first podcast. So I'm sure I'll loosen up if I do any more. But I had a really good time. And I hope you learned something. I learned something. And hopefully we'll see each other again, guys. Yes. All right, guys. Thank you for listening. And um, stay tuned for next week.